Hello, I'm welcome to the Catholic Spectrum. I'm your host, Jason Spear, and each week I, week I talk about topics related to autism, Catholicism, and pop culture. And this week is another installment of my series on anime you need to see before you die. And this week it's Nausicaa of the Bay of the Wind. Alright, since we are since Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is very early in the Studio Ghibli timeline, in fact, it was made before Studio Ghibli was even founded. It was what started the whole ball rolling. Um, I'm going to give you some background on who Hayao Miyazaki was, because a lot of people don't know that sort of thing. He started out working for different companies over the years. Um, he started out working for Toei Animation. Then he worked for A-Pro, um, Zuiyo Azo, I think is the name of it, and then Nippon Animation, and then Tokyo Movie Shinsha, and then Topcraft, and that led to Studio Ghibli. Uh, he worked on an adaptation of Gulliver's Travels. He provided key animation for Puss in Boots, who later became the mascot for Toei Animation. And then he moved on to April, where he made, where he co-directed Lupin the Third for them. And that's where he met Isao Takahata, who co-founded um, Studio Ghibli for him. He, he would come on to Nippon Animation. Actually, Zuyo Eizo is the name that Nippon Animation was originally known by at the time he... Um, was working there. Then he worked as an animator on World Masterpiece Theater, which was kind of like the Japanese version of Masterpiece Theater. And he directed the series Future Boy Conan. Um, Future Boy Conan is, I found, I did some research on it, and it is, it is available through G-Kids, but only on Blu-ray. So if you happen to have the means, um, I have not seen... <clears throat> Excuse me. I have not seen Future Boy Conan, so I don't know if it's good or bad. But if you're curious, maybe you should check it out. Um, he also he then in 1979 joined Tokyo Movie Shinsha, and that's where he directed his first feature film, The Castle of Cagliostro. That was another Lupin the Third production, and the television series Sherlock Hound. Now. Lupin the Third Castle Cagliostro is available on DVD, and I believe it is also available streaming from Tubi. It is it, Disney did not pick it up. Um, I don't know who picked it up. Um, if it's been redone or anything like that, I have seen Castle of Cagliostro. It's very good. I do know that it was an inspiration. It was an influence on Steven Spielberg, if I'm not mistaken. Um, after that, he, and while he was doing that, he met, he, uh, started work on Nasca the Valley of the Wind, and he created Studio Ghibli because he wanted a place where he and Isao Takahata could work together, and in fact, Isao Takahata has actually directed some Studio Ghibli movies like, um, Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbors the Yamadas. I have not seen My Neighbors the Yamadas. I'm, it's on my list. But I have seen Grave of the Fireflies. Just a little tidbit there. Um, Ghibli's name is an Italian word for 
I believe it's wind. And actually, something a little, something you may not notice. Um, every, almost every Studio Ghibli movie has something has some kind of scene involving flight in it. The only one that doesn't is Princess Mononoke. Um, he actually started working on the. On the story of Nasca the Valley of the Wind while he was working on Lupin the Third, and he actually used the money that I mean, and he actually started making Nasca the Valley of the Wind before he even founded Studio Ghibli. The money that he made off of Studio Ghibli was later off of excuse me off of Nasca excuse me was used to fund Studio Ghibli and get it started. Um. And in order to promote Nasca the Valley of the Wind further, he made a manga of it. Um, I actually happen to have all s seven volumes that Viz Media produced that collect the entire Studio Ghibli. I mean, the, excuse me, not Studio Ghibli. Um, the entire Nasca the Valley of the Wind story. And the anime itself only collects the first, only tells the story of the first two volumes. Right out, right out the gate, I'm going to tell you right now, you do not need to to read all seven volumes of Nasca the Valley of the Wind to understand what's happening in the movie since it was made before the... He kept going on with the manga after he made the movie and just kept, and just kept expanding the story further. You do not... So for that... Reason you do not need to hunt down Nasca the Valley of the Wind in manga format, but if you want to do it, then I say go ahead and do it. I happen, like I said, I happen to have all the volumes, and I do recommend it. The artwork is really is top notch, just like you would expect from Hayao Miyazaki. Um, so the movie. When the movie was something, a little thing I want to tell you is that the movie did get distributed into America. It was the first Miyazaki to get distributed into America, but it was not well received. Not by Miyazaki. He did not enjoy. He did not like what was going on with it because they cut out a lot of stuff. And in fact, when Princess Mononoke got distributed many years later, Hayao Miyazaki sent. Miramax a sword with the with the words no cuts he did not want Princess Mononoke to receive the same treatment that Nasca the Valley of the Wind did in fact it was because of Nasca the Valley of the Wind that it took so long for another Miyazaki movie to finally be distributed to America because Disney had to, because Disney had to make a promise that they would not edit any of his movies other than the necessary edits needed for subtitling or dubbing. So, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the movie itself. Nasca the Valley of the Wind takes place in a post-apocalyptic setting that is, it's after the seven days of fire in a that in these destroyed civilization and created a vast toxic jungle. There is so much toxic air in the atmosphere that you have to wear a gas mask at all times. Um, and it has mutated the insect life of the valley. 
and there is a prophecy that predicts a savior clothed in blue robe descending onto a golden field. So yes, there is a bit of the chosen one trope in here. Um, this movie actually handles the chosen one um, trope very well, in my opinion. Yes, it can be a bit overdone, but I don't mind chosen one if it's done right. The monsters kind of look like trilobites, and actually the monsters, the, the big insects in this movie are not the bad guys. They are actually creatures who have been so ruined by the toxic air around them that they are unable to control themselves. And Nausicaa herself is, a, is the daughter of a chief of a princess, is a princess, and is trying to find a way for humans and those animals that are still in the jungle to coexist. Um, she meets a, she, um, she meets, the, she goes to the, I mean, she sees a massive cargo aircraft from the kingdom of Tomikia. Tomikia is the bad, are the bad guys in this story. They want to conquer what is left of the valley. And Nausicaa attempts to save the aircraft, but it crashes and, sold, and its sole survivor, Lestel, Princess Lastel of Pajait, um, dies. And the cargo itself is an embryo of a giant warrior, the bioweapons that cause the Seven Days of Fire. Tomikia is trying to use the warriors for their own personal gain. And Nausicaa eventually manages to charm it away from the village. And then we meet the leader of the Tomikian troops, Princess Kushana. And I really hate her. She and me and her helper, Lord Yupa, they both try to take over, but Nausicaa has none of it. And so Kushana and Lord Yupa start taking hostages from the valley, and Nasca has to. And Nasca has to leave, and that's when she meets Asbel, who is Listel's twin brother, and they and they both manage to hit it off. They don't ever become husband. They don't ever fall in love. This isn't that kind of story. But Asbel does become an ally. And while they're away, Tomikia does manage to take over the village, but Nausicaa manages to stop them. And in so doing, she performs she fulfills the prophecy, and that is where the anime ends. Now, even though the manga does pick up from where the anime leaves off, um, like I said, you don't need to watch the to read the manga because it's going on its own story. And the anime itself actually does clean things up real nicely. Um, it does give some sort of an ending to things. That's what. That's another reason I say you don't really need to read the manga. I still recommend you do so, but I'm just saying that because I don't know if it's an easy thing to track down. I don't even know if it's still in print.
because I don't know what the status of Viz Media is these days. Viz Media used to do pretty well, actually. So next up, we are going to talk about the inspirations from the for these for the story, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of, about how we got the good version of Nausicaa. A little something I forgot to mention before I go any further. Um, one of the animators on Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind is Hidaki Anno. I think it's how you say his first name. Um, Hidaki Anno, if you're an anime fan and you're a really well-versed anime fan, you will recognize that name because Hidaki Anno would later go on to create Neon Genesis Evangelion. This was his first film. Now, as far as influences go, this was inspired by Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea and Isaac Asimov's Nightfall and a little bit of Lord of the Rings, too. And interestingly enough, there actually is a Studio Ghibli movie that is based on Earthsea. Um, I would not recommend it. Um, it's actually directed by Miyazaki's son, Goro Miyazaki. Goro Miyazaki has actually managed to improve in his style since making this move, making that movie. So, also, there's a folktale of the princess who loved insects that influenced it, as well as the works of William Golding. Um, Nausicaa was inspired in name and personality by a princess in Homer's Odyssey. There might be a little bit of Dune influence on it. Some some people have even called it anime's answer to Dune. Um, I'm not sure if I could call it that for sure. Um, there is a bit of steampunk in here. That's another reason that I, that's one reason that I don't really think that you can call it a Dune inspired work. Um, I guess you can kind of see some of the themes in Dune that are present in Nazca the Valley of the Wind, since they're both dealing with corrupt governments and stuff like that. But I don't really, I mean, and there's a bit of chosen one um, themes in Dune as well. Although Dune kind of subverts that formula, so to speak. Nausicaa is... I mean, Miyazaki is a staunch environmentalist. This is not the only film that he does that has that theme in it. Um, to My Neighbor Totoro also deals with it in a way. Uh, Princess Mononoke definitely gets heavy on its environmentalist themes. Even heavier than Nausicaa does, actually. If I'm going to be completely honest. Tom Poco is another one, but I think that one was actually directed both by Miyazaki and Takahata. That one also deals with some environmentalist themes. Um, there's also a bit of a Buddhist slant to it as they as it derides greed, ill will, and delusion, and fear is what derives the conflict, not as well as greed. Um, Nausicaa herself is actually kind of an all-loving hero. She tries to do what she feels is best for everyone. She tries to see the best in people, but even that doesn't help with lady with uh, imp with 
Tomikia and Yupa. She just can't reach them, and so she doesn't even try. Um, there is a bit of Diesel Punk in it as well. Um, Diesel Punk, for those of you, is sort of like Steampunk, but a bit more advanced. So, the movie did manage, like I said, the movie did manage to get distributed into America, but it wound up getting cut up. And what's interesting about that is Topcraft, the studio that helped distribute it, eventually went under. That's, that's the main reason you can't find Warriors of the Wind anymore, is that Topcraft no longer exists. And as a result of that, some of the animators actually joined up with um, Nasca the Valiant, I mean, with Studio Ghibli, and that led to, and this is where Studio Ghibli got its start, and this is the reason that I'm putting it in my, and this is, that's actually one of the main reasons that I have put Nasca of the Valley of the Wind in my anime to see before you die list, because this movie is basically what starts the whole Miyazaki, the whole um, Studio Ghibli timeline. You start with this, and then you go to Castle in the Sky, which was the first official Studio Ghibli production, and then you go on from there to My Neighbor Totoro and Grave of the Fireflies, which were released in at the same time. In fact, they played together. Um, then you've got, uh, I think, Porco Rosso is in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Um, and it keeps just going on from there. Um, so, this is a very good movie. It's got some environmentalist themes. It's it's a bit on the preachy side. Miyazaki just loves to get preachy, and you might as well deal with it if you're if you're someone who doesn't buy into that mentality you might have a hard time enjoying this movie i don't i am kind of back and forth on the whole environmentalist um mentality um there are some parts i agree with it and some parts i don't i'm not going to get into what parts i don't agree with um it depends on who's doing who's talking about it and it was it was actually the World Wildlife Fund recommended it, and there was a subtitled version that was screened at the Institute of Con Contemporary Arts in London as part of the Building Bridges Film Festival, marking the 50th anniversaries of the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And um, the film was released by Toei, so this was while he was still working with Toei, and it grossed 1.48 billion yen at the box office, selling over 900,000 tickets, and earned 742 million yen in distribution outcome. And overseas, it grossed over a million dollars um, in seven countries. And in France alone, it made a million and point five, at least. And in Japan, it was released on VHS and Laserdisc in 1985. Through Buena Vista's um, home entertainment company. Now, as a result of the success of Princess Mononoke, Disney went ahead and got the license to 
not only Princess Mononoke, but also several other Studio Ghibli movies down the line. Um, they stopped doing distribution at one point. I believe it was for only yesterday that they stopped doing it because of the themes in that movie. Um, and they actually gave us a proper release. They didn't cut it up like Warriors of the Wind did. Um, it was distributed by New World Pictures in there through Vestron Video. And it was heavily cut. Um, they were, they actually tried to, they dulled some of the environmentalist themes. And they also tried to make, they've named, they renamed Nausicaa as Zandra. And they tried to cut up the stories a lot, actually. Quite a bit. Um, like I said, not, Miyazaki was not happy about what happened to it. They even changed up the plot so that they tried to do as much as they could to make Nausicaa not the heroine. They tried to make Asbel the heroine and hero the story. In fact, the promotion, the promo art for Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind, just plain, for Warriors of the Wind, excuse me, just plain lies to you and makes it like Asbel is the hero instead of Nausicaa. And yeah, Asbel is a good person, but he is not the hero. He is a supporting character at best. And doesn't even feature into the movie as much as Nausicaa does. And they actually, and actually I should say that Miramax did try to edit Princess Mononoke to make it more, more marketable, but but Miyazaki would have none of it. I'm actually going to give you guys a separate episode on Princess Mononoke in the future because I like both of these movies. Although I like I like Princess Mononoke a little bit more. So let's talk about the um, casting for this for the Disney dub because I want to talk about that some here. Um, Um, there is a re-release by G-Kids, who is the current owner of Studio Ghibli stuff, and it was made, and, and it was released actually last year in, no, not last year, actually two years ago, August 25th, 2020. The Disney version, if you can still find it, is definitely worth watching, though, and we'll talk about that. Okay, I had to get my notes for this. Um. We got a we got a pretty nice cast for the um, Disney version. I'm only giving you the Disney version because I'm not familiar with how G Kids did it. So, and I'm, and I'm not sure how well the Disney version is. I'm pretty sure you can still buy the Disney version. So let's talk about who we got in the, who we got playing characters. Um, we have Patrick Stewart as Lord Yupa. Um, sorry, I'm everyone. I was wrong about. Um, Lord Yupa is not the villain. I, I got things mixed up. It's Nito. Wait, no, that's not him either. Uh, Mark Hamill is the mayor of Pajit. That's the bad guy. Sorry. And Uma Thurman is Kushana. Edward James Olmos is Nito. And we've even got some Disney people involved. Um, Tress McNeil plays three different women, most notable, as well as Obaba. And, of course, we get Jim Cummings because Disney just loves to use Jim Cummings. 
in a lot of their things. Um, like I said, this is definitely worth your watch. Um, I G Kids did release a dub, and I so that will probably be an easier one for you to find than the Disney version. So, like I said, if you're a budding anime fan or you're an anime fan, you consider yourself one who's trying to find a whole lot of good stuff, um, put this on your list. This is definitely one you need to see. And if you can dig around and find it, get the manga too. The manga is definitely worth your time. Um, I have all seven volumes, as I've said, and it expands story a bit more. Nausicaa is not quite as... Um, all loving in this in the manga version she's actually um not as nice in the manga version i think probably because the story's weighed on her a bit more in that one so yeah there will be more of these this season um instead of just doing one episode per season i do plan to do more so yeah this is a good one. I highly recommend it. I hope I've I hope I've convinced you enough to see it. So let's go ahead and talk about the. Let's go ahead and do our preview and end this. All right. So next week I'm going to talk. I've hinted in my reviews of The Chosen Seasons 1 and 2 that I need to do an episode that talks about Sola Scriptura and the Catholic position on it. So that's going to be its own episode next week. I've hinted at it enough. I wanted some time to get some good arguments to help um, support my own arguments about it. Um, I managed to get the information I needed, so I'm going to go ahead and do that next week and um, so this has been the Catholic Spectrum I've been your host Jason Thayer if you want to find past episodes you can follow me on you can follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform Stitcher, Spotify I believe I'm on Higher Heart Radio Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict wherever you find your favorite podcasts you can follow me on Facebook, where I am known as Jason Thayer. You can follow me on Wrong Planet's message board, where I am also known as Jason Thayer. Um, you can find me, my, my Discord channel is Radical Edward, hashtag 7592. The Radical and Edward are both capitalized, and there is a space between both of them. And remember, everyone, normal is just a setting on the washing machine. We don't get to be normal. See you. <laughs>